Hi, everyone. Welcome back. It's good to be back uh, doing the Goodbye Bullshit Hello Happiness. This is the Magical Curiosities Edition with Sarah. And today, yay! <laughs> today is a special one because um, Sarah has agreed to share some of her journey and um, special, it's a very private special time, I think for a lot of people, but that, and that's the transition of loved ones. As I think um, a lot of people can relate when, especially kids for their parents, as you're getting, they're getting older, and um, especially if they have any kind of illnesses and you're ready, you're making yourself ready to say goodbye to them. And also part of that is um, helping them transition into the light. So it's a very special time for families when you're in the situation of um, loved ones getting ready to transition and the people that are remaining getting ready to say goodbye and uh, what does that look like and what does that feel like so um, i'm going to let sarah start the conversation to share a little bit about her experience and um how she she came to understand what her purpose in this uh, on this journey was and something that hopefully she's gonna be sharing with a lot more people as a form of helping others as well as they transition. So Sarah, thank you for your willingness to share and tell us about this special time in your life. Well, thanks as always um, for letting me be here and just try to share what I've experienced myself. Um, I was even trying to figure out earlier, where on earth do you start? <laughs> Especially when you're looking at a bigger picture and you're kind of seeing through your whole childhood, like how your relationship with your parent or your loved one has sort of all led up to this one moment. I will say for me, my mom's, so my mom was in the hospital for almost exactly two weeks. Um, on August 3rd, she passed. I had been called by her spirit actually to come join her. So I was lucky enough to be by her bedside, sleeping in her, I keep calling it a hotel room, hospital room, <laughs> sleeping with her there. Um, and I remember a moment, maybe two days after I got there where the weight of what was happening, like the importance of what was happening just struck me because I was looking back at our relationship, which as with most mothers and daughters, right? Relationships are not always easy. Mm -hmm. um, we had not been able to cl clearly communicate most of my life, except for these random moments in time where even when I was a child, I remember thinking, wow, this this person talking to me right now, it doesn't quite feel like my mom. Like there's something special there. And it wasn't even until that moment that it hit me in the hotel, in the hospital room <laughs> that I was talking to her higher self. 
Mm-hmm. And that those moments where I felt the closest and most connected to her were always in those moments. And that it was a time that I could feel the most authenticity, the most trust in me even to talk to me that way. And that was sort of the impetus for moving forward through the next couple of weeks where um, energetically, spiritually, and in the beginning verbally, I was able to talk through what was really happening with her, like her experience and how she was experiencing it. And my personal past experience with transitioning with my father-in-law, with my mother-in-law, and what that meant. Um, okay, can I stop there? And can you help direct yeah, yes. me a little bit? I sure was actually is. going to say, but this one was a little bit different than the other ones because you were in a different place as well. So I think for... Um, a lot of people you had gone through your own healing journey I think and that what made a difference between this time and the previous time where you were in a place that you had healed some of that trauma so that you can connect with her energetically in that point in that state and help her with the transitioning and made it into really a celebration of end of life, celebration of that transition. So I think there was a big difference between how you went through this process with your mom and how you went through it with your mother-in-law and others. That's, yes. And that is the most important thing I think to say to the general public, right? Mm -hmm. Is this idea that the way that we experience anything is through our lens, Mm -hmm. it's through our own personal eyes and, and emotions. And therefore, if you are harboring a lot of fear about death or the unknown, or if you're just in so much pain from watching your loved one deteriorates slowly in front of your eyes. I mean, that is not a pretty thing. Even with my mom, that was probably the worst part of it was you have to watch somebody physically kind of decay in front of you. And it's Mm -hmm. the most challenging thing, I think, um, to see the beauty in for most people. And even for me in the space I was in and how much I was enjoying and loving and being grateful for what was happening, that was hard. That's just, it's hard. That's all yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I think people, I, I want people to understand we're not, the process of goodbye is going to be challenging. The process of what you said right now, watching a loved one um, physically deteriorate um, or even sometimes in cases where Um, they're suffering from any kind of dementia or things like that. There is a difficulty in that. So that doesn't, that challenge doesn't go away. Yes. And there is an end in there that even in that space, there can be a 
feeling of appreciation, feeling of gratitude, when you're approaching it from a state of love, a place of love, and looking at it as a cycle of life, and that it is a transition, it is a change, it's not an ending, really. And when you can hold that space for yourself and the loved one that's going through it, that space, that presence that you bring, and that space and presence that you bring in a state of love, it's what makes a difference for yourself, for the person transitioning, and for everyone else actually involved in that space. Beautifully said. <laughs> so I love it. So linear, like the way that that works. And um, so just to kind of go back a little bit, um, I think I had a fairly, I mean, maybe maybe a little extra intense, but I think the struggles that I had with my mother-in-law. So we lived with her for a decade, me and my husband in the family home. Uh, she had built a mother-in-law's apartment for her parents. So her parents had lived in that house when she was younger and had kids and she took care of them at their end of life journeys. And then we got to put her in that same plate, like that same apartment and then be able to do that for her. Um, I will say that was kind of one of the more special parts of that for us was this mm -hmm. idea that this was somebody who'd given a lot and we were giving back. Um, so the thing is, that was also, it happened to be a couple years before she passed. She was in hospice for three years. So let me just say, that's a big thing. Even in hospice world, <laughs> that's like yeah, really so long. That, yeah. And so my husband and I were primary caregivers, you know, 24 seven. And of course I was trying to work to support the family. And so he was more or less on his own a lot. Um, we had our roles. I was emotional support, spiritual support for her. Um, I say spiritual. I wasn't spiritual back then. Let me just put it that way. <laughs> but like the idea Correction. that I was her, what? You were, you were spiritual, but not consciously spiritual. Mm. Yes. Okay. <laughs> That's it. Yes. I just wasn't conscious of it. And I kind of just didn't accept it either. Right. Yeah. So um, as I started having all of these um, things that I would see in the yard, uh, particularly at night or around the house, lights and bubbles and orbs and smoke um, and got to, and they kind of like over the three years, my sight became clearer. So I could feel them more, hear them more, see them more, smell them more. And it definitely felt like they were gathering over time, which I kind of recognize more now than that I did at the moment. Um, and that I was so unhappy with myself, so did not love myself, did not think of myself as being complete, thought of myself as being broken. So I had fear about everything all the time. I was depressed and anxious and, you know, turning to substance and like I was, I just want to be really clear about my mindset, right? I was also physically stressed out about the whole caregiving thing. I mean, that's hard mm -hmm. on, on its own, mm -hmm. let alone trying to figure out what are, what are all these things that I'm experiencing now that are new. Um, so the interesting thing with my mother-in-law's passing 
was I actually feel like I got a lot more specific omens with that Mm -hmm. one, like a dead crow on the doorstep, like literally Mm -hmm. um, three days before she passed. Um, Things that she would say uh, to help me figure out what was happening in her head as she went Mm -hmm. nonverbal. And all of these things tied into this fear story I had about, oh my gosh, what is death? And is it something that's, you know, like, I just didn't quite, it was weird because she had had a near-death experience where she said herself, she was full, like she experienced this amazing love, but chose to come back because she wasn't done on the earth, Mm -hmm. right? Like she made that choice. And then for some reason, it's like neither one of us could get to that love space when we were, as she was transitioning and she was terrified, she was hanging on, she didn't know what was happening. I didn't know how to come for her. I was scared. I was seeing all these crazy things, you know, and hearing voices and I mean, all stuff that I was like, I'm going crazy. All right. Um, And so together, unfortunately, although for purpose, we were both in this fear space. Mm-hmm. And we experienced the transition from a lens of fear. Mm-hmm. And therefore it was not pretty. It was not, it did not feel like a celebration of anything. Right. It was just, yeah. we were both kind of just screaming in the dark, like, Oh my God, what's going to happen next? So when I met Atusa, which was, uh, so I can't help you. Had- Sorry. <laughs> I know. I was just thinking it was about two and a half years, actually. So now is the third, this September 1st was the third year anniversary. Oh, wow. So, and I met you in February was our first actual like meeting meeting. So it was two and a half years later, post COVID because COVID of course stalls Mm -hmm. your grief process. That's just what it does. Stalls everything, right. (laughs) Including your grief process. Um, And started working with the TUSA. And realizing how much fear I had about everything. And so she helped me release the experience of learning to live with that different lens, that lens of love versus fear is what's life-changing right there. Mm -hmm. So please, anybody who knows that that's something you're thinking about, it is possible and amazing and transformative. And that, that allowed me when I was with my mom I had support. I had support. I could feel the universe always supports you. Right. But I couldn't feel it. Like I didn't understand what that even what that was. So, you know, I had spirit guides with me that were helping me remain joyful and calm and centered and making me laugh and giggle when I needed it. Um, And showed me so many different ways of helping someone transition energetically also. Mm-hmm. So I think, and it really ultimately was also the gratitude of being able to actually see her transform light, like going right from this vessel mm-hmm. into her light and what that looked like was a huge gift because I saw her join her clan, join mm-hmm. her spirit family And, you know, you can't be worried about someone if you know they're surrounded by people taking care of them. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Beautifully said. Yes. 
Um, I think the key things that you mentioned that I want to bring about again is that the approach matters. Approach in anything when you, it's okay to have the fear. It's okay because that's like an instinct you're going to have. Um, it's okay to have the sadness. And all of those emotions can happen, can be present in that state of love, in that space of love that you're creating. It can all be there and you don't need to fight it or resist it. And again, coming back to helping loved ones transition, It's a beautiful gift. If you can get yourself in that state, it's a beautiful gift you can give them because a lot of times at that end of life experience, most people generally, if they have not done the work to um, clear away the past and for them to have forgiven themselves or forgiven others in their life, then they will be in that state of fear. And it's more for them fear of they are leaving people's, their support system, and they don't know where what's going to be happening next. So it is a fear and it is a sadness that they're experiencing as well. So the better this space of love that you can create for yourself, for them, that all those emotions can be there. And having people understand that the, this transition, it is into light. It is into a next level, a different level where you're not going to be lost. You're not going to be alone. And there is a that source that we're all connected to that's another part of what the next phase of this is, that they're still connected and you're still connected to them. Um, so I yeah. want to go ahead. Right based on that, I was going to say, and ultimately, if you think about it, it's part, that's like a huge part of what you help people come to is plugging, like we're all plugged into the source but some of us, right, we're just not in that space where we can feel it. And I feel like, and it's because like that human mind, right, like makes up all of this junk and clutters up your, mm -hmm. your circuit. <laughs> so yeah. I'm going to say, I feel like that's really the thing that you give people is also, because one of the things you said to me that I don't think everybody in a healing position does, is you said, my goal is so that you don't need to come <laughs> heal with me, that, you know, that's something that a you're in a space where you can do the work yourself mm -hmm. you can do it for you so and that's because you feel connected to everything around you you have a support system you're not doing it alone even if you think you are exactly exactly once you get all things off of you you know that connection and you know it's a continuous process yes. that's your healing process, it's a, as long as, I always say, as long as you're in these physical bodies, you're continually in that healing process. You're continually evolving and transforming. And again, death is just another part of this transformation, another part of this evolution. 
that we're here in this cycle of life, whatever you want to call it. And um, I think it's an important gift again, um, part of what shamanic healing also does for people is um, as shamans, and it's not just shamans, I don't want to say only shamans do this, because I know so many people out there that, um, you know, they're not even practicing anything like shamanism or even energy healing, anything like that. You know, they're accountants or they're whatever, but they, because of that connection that they have, um, I know that they say, you know, anytime that they're in a space that they feel like even animals that are, you know, get hit by a car or a bird, I don't know, falls off, they see an animal even suffering, they help it transition into the light. Um, so this is something that anybody and everybody, you know, shamanic practices, healers practice it more predominant, you know, as part of the work to help people transition into the light, especially the sort of the lost souls that because of whatever may have happened, they didn't either, they were harboring something, couldn't forgive themselves, didn't forgive others for whatever purpose or reason they didn't transition, we help transition them into that light space so that they move forward. So um, again, if you are in a place or a position that you have loved ones that are going to be needing that love and care, um, my best advice is first, you know, as you said, get into a space that you can provide that space of love and again, fear can be there, but don't let fear run the show. Don't let sadness run the show. See this process as it's a beautiful process. It's the next space. And like, even like you, you can, in our life, you know, how many uh, transitions are there? You know, you moms, parents, you know, you have kids that they grow up, they leave the nest, they go live their own life, and they may even, you know, move halfway across the world. And all of those events are sad for you and you're fearful for them, but yet you know there is something else for them. There is joy in it as well. So sort of bring that mentality into this as well, this end of life transition that there is a next step, there is a beauty, there is love in that space as well. Yes. Comments? <laughs> You can speak to it more since you just went through this whole process. No, I was thinking that's, you know, all of that is exactly right. And I mean, the thing is, I don't think, I think that even when people are doing, as you say, doing this work of helping, helping a loved one transition, they just don't even realize how much they're doing, mm -hmm. right? It's like, they're just not aware of how just sitting there holding their hand or, like my, I would put on music that my mom and I used to harmonize to. And so I'd sing my part that I always traditionally sang. And even though, you know, she couldn't verbalize or talk at that point, like it was just, it made us both feel good. Mm -hmm. You know, the inner, and that's ultimately, I think just remembering the good times is a form of energy work, right? Like we're, 
putting that awesome memory about somebody and that laughter and that little giggle it brings you inside, you know, that's important um, as well. Yeah. And to this point that you're making, I think if you can speak to uh, the audience where um, when in those end of life moments or days or weeks or months, as you mentioned, there are times that the person that's transitioning is not verbal, may not even um, be awake fully. Um, and you can still communicate with them through energy. You can still feel them and bring that love and awareness for them, bring all of that through energy, and you can communicate through that energy. It doesn't need to be verbal. It doesn't need to be um, like a, even eye contact or anything. It's through energy that you can make them feel good. And you know there's a communication. You can get that response back from them that they're feeling good. So I would like for you to, if you can, elaborate on that a little bit more between you and your mom. Sure. So, um, because I know when you're more, I sorry, I'm just thinking dancing and singing and not all of it happens physically and you're not. <laughs> so that's the part I want the audience to realize. Oh, Oh, the, uh, okay. Yeah. So what is funny? Okay. So just the way I personally work, let me just start with this. Okay. Sort of the way that I am built is um, I'm built with music and, and therefore dance is an important part of my energy and like how I reconnect to certain, like when I want to be in a certain space, <laughs> I uh, just kind of do a little dance and I'll get there. Um, one of the things that was actually really amazing for me and, for mom, I think, um, was we would have little dance parties in our head. Mm -hmm. So basically it would be nighttime and I'd be laying on the couch and, you know, I would just sort of in my head, I'd start saying, Oh, you know, I really, I get a song stuck in my head or I'd hear something and I go, Ooh, yeah, that's, that's one of our favorite things we used to, we used to sing to, or so I'd start kind of singing it in my head and then I'd be like, Hey mom, like in my head, right? Hey, mom, come join me. <laughs> and so we would be doing a dance party in our head. And the funny thing is, I did occasionally have the luxury of <laughs> some little verbal grunts or groans. So like, I'd make some kind of joke and I kind of hear, ah. <laughs> or um, I don't know, I actually, okay, not for me, but um one of the things I was doing is I'd have a hand on her, on her hip or something or holding her hand. And um, the other hand, I would invite one of the ghosts in the room, like her spirit people. So like um, her grandfather, I'm sorry, my grandfather, her father. Um, and my grandmother came one night. So I just was a middle person. I was a conduit. Mm -hmm. So I had one hand on her and one hand holding um, my grandfather's hand and I could see energetically in my way that, um, some of the things he was showing her and she'd go, Oh, and of course she hadn't talked for days. Right. But, uh, -huh. like every once in a while, these little things, I'd be like, Oh, wow. That's connected to what I just saw. So I wouldn't fully understand, but, um, 
it was just another way of the universe showing me that, yeah, all this stuff that happens in your head is real mm-hmm. and it's important and it's tangible to somebody else. And that I'm sure lots of you out there will have these conversations with people in your head at night, right? You'll be talking to somebody you miss. Oh, I miss you so much. The thing that's amazing is that was how it started before I realized I was actually connecting with people. Mm-hmm. I thought I was just talking to someone in my head. No, <laughs> I'm actually, you know, nudging someone's spirit being like, Hey, I need to tell you something right now. So that's, I think sometimes people take that sort of thing. They dismiss it. Right. And I think that that is really important that you, that you realize that that, that is a form of energy work and it's a form of healing for you and for other people. So, and this is part of the magical curiosities. That's why we have this um, show for people to realize not everything uh, is communicated through word and eye contact and hearing with your physical uh, ears, but rather like, I know many of my clients, um, they always say, you know, how do you know? You text us right at the right moment when we need you. You know, you're always there. Or they say, you know, I was going to go do this. And you were in my head saying those things. And it is. It's, uh, it's I'm communic- they're communicating with me. It's not just that I communicate with them. But they're also communicating with me energetically, like sending me a signal. Hey, I can really use you right now. You know, can you come? Or, and I go and I, you know, and I say, okay, you know, physically, okay, what's going on? Um, but a lot of these things, or I've had clients that, you know, I had a client that her mom had passed away. And um, this was during COVID that our sessions, you know, I would have it outside because it was COVID and, you know, before vaccine and then everything else. And um, when I think it was her first few sessions and a cardinal came like really close to us and sat on a branch there. And I looked over and I knew it was um, her mom talking to her. And I started saying things to her and then she actually started crying. And she's like, you know, I knew that was, you know, that's my mom. But there are all these connections after she realized that she's still connected to her mom and she can communicate with her mom. It really, that sadness and that grief she was experiencing changed. And, you know, she would be cooking and she would feel her mom there, like telling her, no, don't use this, use this spice or this, this is like, she would cook with her mom's energy there present for her. So don't dismiss things. I always say, if it makes you feel good, who cares even if it is in your head? Like you want to say, oh, maybe it's in my head. Who cares? Does it make you feel good? Then do it. Trust it. It's trust. Exactly. That communication is a trust. When you get into this sort of like a non-physical conversation that you have uh, with animals, with the wind, with the the nature around you, there's this non-verbal communication, non-sort of real communication. You got to trust that communication and go with it. And um, 
And another point that you mentioned, I think it's good for people to know, it is the, during this end of life transitions that if you are sort of, you can create that space and, you know, for your case, how beautiful that you saw that her family is coming for her and they're inviting her. And you sort of, she through I think it was mainly through your presence that she also felt, hey, it's okay for me to go. These are really my people. This is really my family coming for me now. It is my time to go. And um, how beautiful and lovely to, for you to have been able to see that she is with her loved ones and um, for her to also be able to feel that safety, hey, I am going to be with my loved ones. Yes. <laughs> um, Anything I, else I, I, you want to add? We're almost to the end. So. I noticed. Um, no, I think that I think the biggest thing to say is one of the things I felt a little weird about at the end, like as people were talking to me after she passed, was they would approach me in this, oh my gosh, you must be devastated and you must be, right? Like kind of this like overly, um, oh my God, I don't want to say overly. They're try they are trying to be really sympathetic, right? And it was the first time <laughs> out of all of the deaths that I've dealt with where I felt weirdly uncomfortable because I actually was super peace at peace with it, right? The whole thing was so peaceful and I felt so good about it. And I mean, you know, I would still happy cry often mm -hmm. in a day, <laughs> but it was a happy cry. I was sad, but I was so happy that I knew where she was. And I just want to say like, um, it's okay. Like it's okay to be okay. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we always hear that when it comes to grief. It is okay to be okay. Exactly. Everybody can grieve in their own process and it's okay even not to grieve. If you're okay, to, it's okay to be okay. Perfectly said. Yes. Yes. There is a happiness and joy in that as well. And it's okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your experience. Such a beautiful private moment for you to bring it out and experience it and share it with everybody. So I know for my place, thank you very much for doing it. And thank you everybody out there for joining us. We're back. Uh, August was a good month off for everybody. So now we're back with the other shows. And uh, as I had mentioned earlier, um, I, the not the third Tuesday is going to be Young and Empowered with Samir, and then the fourth Tuesday is going to be the Conscious Parenting um, with the ladies Diana, Hillary, Angelique, and Elle. So join us for those shows as well. And thank you again. Thank you. Bye, everybody.